Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I'm Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about single parents in anime. This is a particularly important topic, personally for me and other people today in the Girl Taku, as well as just the uh, effect, the cultural effect it has on Japan and in entertainment. So we discussed about this topic in a lot more detail with a lot more research in the main anime training podcast regarding Kakushikoto, which is focused on a single dad. And essentially, James, who is one of the hosts of the main anime trending podcast, gave us a lot of research about what single parents have to go through in Japan. And to put it in a very, very simple, summarized way, what single parents go through in Japan is not good.、Uh, society in Japan still really, really ostracized them. They, they do not treat them well at all, to say the least. And the saddest part about that fact is that I actually know someone who immigrated from Japan. So he is Japanese born and came over here to the US. And he is raised by a single mom in Japan. And the reason why he even immigrated out of the country was because of how badly. They treated his mom, his single mom who raised him. And so, and he's very, very critical about it. And I mean, it's a big deal when you want to leave an entire country because of the way they treated someone you love. And so, to me, that's a really insane sort of situation because it's one thing hearing about it, you know, from research, from articles, which, once again, please check out that episode in the main anime trending podcast if you want a much more detailed breakdown with sources and stuff like that. But it's another to just find a person who happens to meet the criteria, aka born in Japan, raised by a single parent, and be able to tell his story step by step exactly like how the research papers have written, <laughs> which is pretty insane and also really sad because single parenthood is not in any shape or form an easy thing at all. One thing I will give anime a A praise for is that even if it's shown that in real life single parents aren't treated well in Japan, at the very least, anime tends to really, really uplift single parents. They're, they're always portrayed as really hardworking, who are trying their best for their kid, who loves their kid, and are good people. And so, at the very least, even if unfortunately society hasn't Come around to really treat single parents with the respect they deserve. I, I can be happy that at least anime makes a very decent effort to portray that in their stories, if nothing else. And so,、uh, and so that's my little spiel before we start today and dive into the actual anime itself. Isabel, I know you were in that main anime trendy podcast episode, actually. So you remember, you know, the, our discussions about, you know, the single parenthood in Japan and stuff like that. It, it really is pretty sad, but also eye opening, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely is. That podcast we had talking about Kakushikoto in general led us to talking about single parenthood.、Um, and we even mentioned erased and stuff like that. So. 
yeah, we had a lot of stuff to talk about and obviously even unpack even more. So I'm glad we're having this episode to talk more about single parenthood, not focused on one anime in particular. Right, for sure. So I'm going to start us off because this is actually a very, very recent anime episode, but I, I think it just did such a beautiful job of portraying it. So the first anime that has a single parent that I would like to spotlight is currently airing still. It's Aquatope of White Sand. And uh, this is a bit of spoilers for people who might be behind. It's not it's not like a kind of plot twist spoiler where it changes everything, but it is a bit of a surprise for the character arc itself. And so that's why I want to preface it by saying that. But one of the characters that's antagonistic, her name is Hayabura. It's it's a little hard to it's a little hard to pronounce, and I'm not very good at pronouncing as a whole, so I do apologize if I had butchered her name. But she starts off as an antagonistic character. She is from another aquarium and comes to Gama Gama, which is the main aquarium that our protagonist works at to go to training and she immediately starts off really really judgmental about the culture of the aquarium how lax it is and how everyone is friends and stuff like that and the thing that drove me nuts because I genuinely really disliked her at the beginning as a character is that she was picking fights with a teenager and she's an adult and I'm just like and I understand that teenagers can be very annoying at times. We were all once teenagers not that long ago, so I'm sure we could remember the cringy and very bad stuff that we've said and done mm-hmm. as teenagers. But it's still like once you become adulthood, is it really worth getting into petty arguments with them? You know, like even if you disagree, there's no point in purposefully trying to antagonize them. And being so incredibly petty in the way you talk to them. So immediately my respect for her was an all-time low. Because I'm like, lady, you are an adult. Why are you picking a fight with someone who's a lot younger than you, who's not fully grown, and who has no experience of the outside world? You know, you should know better as the adult. But then the episode comes in. And we, it is revealed that she is a single mother and her full backstory comes into view and everything clicks in place. So Hayabura is a divorced mom. Her husband left her for another woman and she married when she was young and she had kids when she was very young as well. And it reveals that essentially you can tell the marriage wasn't good at the very start when she had her kid. It's very clear that her husband was not being, or her ex-husband was not being a good husband and was not being a good father. She was the one who had to do everything in regards to taking care of the child. And she was working at an aquarium, which is her dream job. She really wants to work at aquariums. And the work culture there was extraordinarily toxic. They had no sympathy for her, that she was a new mom who had no help from her partner And they would shame her for having to take days off to take care of a sick child. And at one point, finally just straight up fired her for her trying to be an attentive mom to her newborn child while at the same time trying to balance a full-time job. And because she got fired, her husband and her her ex-husband and her relationship fell apart. He went off with another woman and just left her with that child all by herself. And when I saw that backstory, everything immediately clicked for me because 
in a way, I understand when people say like it doesn't excuse her behavior, which is very selfish and immature. And I do agree to that. But I think people need to remember that envy is a very, very powerful negative emotion. In fact, I think envy is probably one of the most potent negative emotions that affects how we react and how we see things. And it and even Fuka, uh, who is one of the main characters, Fuka instantly understood why Hayabura was so antagonistic towards Gama Gama because she was she lost her dream job in because of their work culture and how toxic and you know unsympathetic they were so to have another chance and then find an aquarium that was exactly what she really needed during her time which is an aquarium with a work culture of everyone being friends with each other understanding being kind and empathetic and to see the employees be completely ignorant and, you know, bliss or, you know, blissful to the fact that this work culture is actually a minority. Sadly, the majority of work cultures are more like the ones where she where she got fired. The one that is at Gamma Gamma is very, very unique and very rare. And so to see that she desperately needed it but she didn't have the luxury for it with employees who seem wholly unaware of how lucky they were. Envy rears its really ugly head. And that's why she ends up antagonizing the protagonist so much because she wanted that and she couldn't get it. And because she couldn't get it, it frustrates her to see it. And it results in judgmentalness and it results in pettiness and all those other stuff that showed up in her. And what's really done well in that episode was how it did not shy away of how unfair the workplace is towards her as a single mom. She legit hid her status as a single mom because she doesn't even think she would have gotten hired in the new aquarium if they knew that she was a single parent taking care of a young child. And so, and it leads to a lot of struggles, which is what the main episode was focused on. And I was... That episode was really emotional for me because um, I'm I so I do I have grown up with both parents. My mom and my dad are very much present in my life and they are married. They're not divorced. But in my childhood, I did have a chunk of time where I was raised by a single parent, which is my mom. And the reason why for that is my parents are Chinese immigrants with very, very little money. And it's actually a very common thing uh, around that time period for Chinese immigrants for uh, parents or you know couples to live separately from each other because we were so poor that we needed to just grab onto any money possible and if that means having to live separate for several years because one of us gets a higher pay in one state and the other one gets a higher pay in another state that's the sacrifice you had to make and so that's what actually happened. My dad lived separate from me and my mom for several years because of that desire and that need for income because we were actually quite poor. And my mom raised me for a good chunk of my childhood, just her, with my dad only coming to visit during the weekends. And the episode was really emotional to me because I don't think I've ever like, I don't think I've ever like looked at it from her perspective because my memory of my childhood is actually really happy um, my mom was always present. I've always had a good relationship with my mom, and I still do to this day. And I didn't feel like it was really hard to live because she did such a good job of, like, raising me and making sure I feel safe. But I, like, 
I like think about it from her view and I just realized like how hard it must have been for her to have to raise me who was very young and very sickly. I was getting sick like every other week, basically. And she would talk about how she had to use up her entire like sick days and holiday days to take off to take care of me because no one else could. And it's not like she had the money to hire anyone else to do so. And and like she was really lucky because her boss was extremely sympathetic. He was a very good man. In fact, when she used up all her days off, she basically was like, I need to dock my pay to take care of my daughter. And her boss actually went the extra step to be like, I'll offer you my holidays and I'll offer you my paid oh, wow. days off. Yeah. So what you can. It's very generous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you can take the day off and take care of your daughter and still get paid. And so like she was so lucky to have a boss like that to take care of me when I was a sickly kid by herself. And so seeing Hayabura have to go through all this without that sympathy and empathy from like her work situation and boss and knowing that the majority of Japan is actually more like her first work culture where they fired her instead of, you know, being understanding and being like my mom's boss, extending their own, you know, paid days off just so she could take care of her mm-hmm. children. It, it just hit me really, really hard. And so that's why like this, I, ironically, um, we had this episode topic set a while back, but I, I had picked another I had picked another anime to highlight, but because Aquato just stood out so much in its portrayal of that hardship of being a single mom with a young child while still desperately trying to pursue your dream job, I just had to highlight it. And so that's basically my whole thing about Aquatope. I'm sorry I got emotional again during talking about it. So yeah. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I mean, this is a place, this is like, a, I guess what we call like a safe place, right? So you're free to emote however you need to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I just think it's, it's so hard, but it's so great that Aquatope did something like that. And um, now that I mentioned, like, my personal side, I did want to reach out and ask you two real quick before I touch on my second choice really, really briefly since I took up so much time. Um, have any of you guys also had a period of time being raised by a single parent and, like, you know, no, like, really sympathize with, you know, how single parents are treated? And, like, I know in the U.S. they treat single parents better than in Japan, but even then, it's still very hard, you know? And I'm wondering if any of you guys have experiences with that as well. Right, like you, Gracie, my par- I've had both parents, but they kind of worked in different times. So my father works graveyard shift, and my mother works the day shift. So I kind of only get my dad, basically I only see him to drop me off to school. Then my mom spends the rest of the day with us, me and my sister. Yeah, so it wasn't really the single, you know, parent type of situation, but my mom mostly took care of us, you know, after school and, you know, making food for us and everything. So I kind of got that, but my dad was always around and whenever he was, he took his days off, you know, he would make sure to spend time with us as well. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a half-half situation. So it's not as intense as yours, I would say. Um, But yeah, that's, that's basically what I have for me though. What about you, Agnes? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, mine isn't as intense, I don't think, compared to Gracie's, because I had both my parents for a significant chunk of my life until my father passed away when I was in high school. So, and he passed away when I was in late high school, so right when I was about to graduate from high school. So there was kind of like a weird period where I thought to myself, 
if I was truly a child being raised by a single parent because my mom was now making all this income and pushing me to go to college. But it also felt like I was not a single child per se because at that point I had was about to turn 18. So I'm not sure if that really aptly applies to the scenarios that we talk about, especially because like in Aquatope and for Gracie's case, all the children are very young. So back, so my mom and I talk about this quite often too, that if my dad had passed away even earlier when I was in middle school, it would have been even harder for my mom to have to support the both of us, my own education, and also like managing me throughout life as well. Because by the time my dad passed away when I was eight, when I was around 18, things had basically stabilized. I was an adult then. So it, it definitely is somewhere within that range, but it hits a bit differently, I would say, from Gracie's situation and also from Isabel's situation too, kind of being away from both parents. However, I will like to point out that I have been around people whose parents have been divorced. One of my father's closest friends, he's been divorced for a very long time. And the rift that it creates between him and his kids and his ex-wife, they 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 take care of the kids uh, in shifts and in custody, but it really does put a strain when you realize that you have to kind of like side with a particular parent or that the parents have to make do to support their kids however they can. And then I have an uncle who's also going who's going through that as well. Wow. Yeah. No. That's yeah. Luckily for me, I did not have to deal with divorced parents, which I I do know is a whole nother layer. A whole different Absolutely. thing to the yeah. single parenthood. And so and luckily I was one of the ones who did it because once my parents did find that stability in the income, they quickly reunited and I had both parents instead. And so that would be so that's why I said like a period of my childhood was a single parent, but not the entirety of it. So Right. Uh, okay. So that's the first one. My second one I'm gonna talk briefly since I've talked so much already with Aquato is um it's actually kind of an adoptive parent situation but it's with uh it's Somali and the forest spirit. Mm. I I found the relationship really cute but also pretty realistic because kids are precocious and they're adorable and they're also very hard to wrangle and have you listen to them not even because they're disobedient or anything but because they just have a short attention span because that's just how kids are and i think anime likes to either choose the really cutesy obedient kids on one end or they choose the other end where the kids are super duper annoying and disobedient and they never listen to you and stuff like that but i did feel like somali and somali in the forest spirit actually captures the real essence of a child which is she's really adorable she's also a handful while being adorable sort of situation and you get to see the forest spirit struggle with that like he just turns his head away for a few seconds and then he turns around and she's gone <laughs> and so and he has to like find her quickly and it's so funny because the anime does such a good job of the fact that he doesn't really have a facial expression and yet you could tell from his body language that he's kind of frustrated and stressed because she keeps running off like that and I like Somali and the Forest Spirit as a single parent example as well because he, uh, the Forest Spirit, he's not used to taking care of things or, you know, sentient beings because he's a Forest Spirit. He takes care of the plants and the forest and the woods and stuff like that. And so you can imagine how out of the element he is when he when he encounters a human child that he has to 
you know, return to or hopefully find a colony of humans to return the child to. And I think it just illustrates really well of what it's like to be a first time parent because he's learning things as he goes. Like at one one of the episodes, he yells at Somali, which is the little human girl. He yells at her because obviously he was worried about her and stuff, but it ended up really hurting her feelings because the only reason why she ran off was she was trying to like find something to give to him as a gift. And so it came obviously came from a really like heartfelt, loving intention sort of thing. And the forest spirit learned essentially that he can't be so quick to jump to lecture and yell at kids and potentially harm them emotionally when they are trying to do something to actually make you happy and make you pleased. And it's just like those sort of small little things where he's a single dad, essentially, and having to deal with this really, really precocious child and learning to be a parent while dealing with all the stress of it, such as, you know, turning his head away for a few seconds and turning around and being like, well, where'd the child go? The child disappeared, you know, sort of thing that... I found really, really cute and just really emotional. And I just like the fantasy setting of how it fits in so well with the themes and the stories with their adventures. So that's my second spotlight. But like I said, it's much shorter because I've already spent so much on Aquatope. And I and I just I just thought this one was like a cuter, more happier version of it, though. Fair warning, the anime does make me cry several times. So it's not all rainbows and sunshines if you're looking for something that's like more lighthearted it's there's some really really emotional moments that are really hard but um, I just think it does a good job of it so yeah so that is my picks for the single parents in anime and I'm curious to hear what your picks are Isabel I'm like kind of wondering if you're gonna talk about Kakashi Goto again or are you picking other anime this time (laughs) yeah I'm gonna pick other one I did think about Kakushi Goto because I think it's a great representation of single parenthood but we spent a whole podcast on it so yes i decided to choose some other uh you know other anime that we can talk about yay okay so what is it let's do it yeah the first one i have is sweetness and lightning god damn it you took my <laughs> you sniped it <laughs> we can it. talk about it together Agnes. yes we can talk about it together <laughs> all right go on go on but yeah i think sweetness and lightning is just a great representation of um, single parenthood especially from the father's side we have the father kohei who is a teacher and he's trying to raise his uh, daughter tsumugi after his wife unfortunately passes away and and sweetness and lighting is mostly i would say like a cooking show right so for him to be able to connect with his daughter through cooking and not buying her convenience meals because i think that's oh, God. the first two episodes or something where continuously buys her meals from the a market and you can see Tsumugi every day going to school getting sadder and sadder about her lunch oh <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. there's also something that I read there's a manga that I've been reading on the side that also deals with like found parenthood with adopted kids and also single mothers and apparently there's a stigma in Japan for having frozen food for your child really especially yeah especially like in preschools and stuff so they have a very high standard for food in general and they really try to advocate for parents or at least mothers in this case to try to cook as many homeschool meals as you can oh home home meals not homeschool home meals as you can rather than buying frozen food as a sort of to promote a healthy factor in your child's life but at the same time it's also very 
convoluted because it also ties in with the whole idea of there should be a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home parent. Right, right. Like, in a way, because it's expected the mother to do it, it's a little bit steeped in sexism, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So the fact that Isabel brings this up about, like, how now the father, like, kind of struggles between making sure that his kid always has a lunch and then she also gets gloomy, but then he also has to kind of consider, like, is it okay to give her frozen food? Because I think there's a, a slight bit of tension of that in the first episode of him being like, I guess it's frozen food again today. And that's why, like, he tries to learn how to cook afterwards, too. Oh, but that is really sweet that he's, you know, making such a big effort for his kid to make sure that, you know, I, I'm guessing she risks getting bullied because that was something that we talked about in the Kakushi Goto episode. Or I think we did, Isabel. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it's like parents with uh, or uh, kids with single parents have a higher risk of getting bullied just because they come from different family background, which is so stupid. But, you know, it is what it is, as they always are. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing, too. Like if you went to school as an elementary kid, I don't know if this was the same for you guys in schools, but you know, if you if someone knew that you had only one parent, sometimes that kid would be treated a little differently or like, oh, that person doesn't have their dad or something. Like people would talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They'd also look at your lunch too. I remember bringing home lunch and everyone would be looking at your lunch. And if you had good lunch, well everyone and so everyone wanted some of it for some reason. But yeah, they like and then not only that, you would see the parents come over for, you know, chaperoning trips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So oh, gosh. Being present it's sh- it's, also. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. It's a huge show with, especially in America, with like the PTA and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so annoying and it's so pointless. To, I mean, I get it. It's to raise money and, you know, fund schools for your children and stuff. But you can't give that burden to single parents who have who have to take on the work of two people. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I can't imagine having, you know, going to a PTA school by yourself as well right. as a single mom or a single dad, right? And then Kohei in Sweetness and Light, he's a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> like He already has to do the work of a student. He has to do the work of a teacher. He has now to do the work of a dad and a mom, too. And so, like, there's there's some times in Sweetness of Lightning where I notice that it get the frames in the scene get a little bit darker and it gets a bit quieter. Oh, like, where Kohei is trying to. There's an episode. Also, there's an episode where he snaps to I think at Sumugi because he's just so stressed with everything that he has at work and at school and trying to keep Sumugi happy. But then Sumugi's just acting as you know, kind of like a a typical child. Sometimes a little bit spoiled, sometimes a little bit cheeky, and then one day he's just kind of fed up with it. So it's really hard. Um, my mom and I had a conversation about sweetness, uh, not sweetness, I but about single parenthood. How it's much more difficult for a father because they don't necess- not all of them come with the same nurturing qualities as a female does, or may have may not be taught typical household things that females are typically taught in right it's like it's it's like um there are definitely guys without question out there who are nurturing and emotional and stuff like that but it's the difference of girls are almost expected to have it so we're taught at an early age versus boys who might even be discouraged you know like maybe the boy is naturally nurturing stuff like that but they get discouraged from being nurturing and it affects how they it affects them when they become an adult and stuff like that. So yeah, I get what you're saying. 
Right, and especially like in Japan, where there seems to be a, a strict divide between household chores by mm-hmm. males and females,、mm-hmm. it really shows with how Kohei kind of struggles with the idea of having to balance out all the washing, laundry, vacuuming, and then also taking care of your kid, and then also cooking, which would typically lie in the hands of a, a Japanese housewife, full-time housewife, I should say too. Yeah. Well, I didn't watch that anime, but I think it's great that they actually show the struggles behind it as well. Because、uh, Aquatope blew me away because they showed how stacked the society, like cultural view, is towards her as a single mom. And you know, and and this is pro- I, this is probably a question I'll ask at the very end. And I think I think I'm also kind of used to seeing. Single parent anime where it's all nice and fluffy and really funny. So to hear that this anime went into the struggles of where you said like the frame is darker because he's tired and he's fed up and he's inexperienced and he has to learn these things on top of juggling all these other stuff that he's always had because life by itself is already hard enough sometimes.、Um, I I really appreciate the anime does that. <laughs> But it is very sweet too, huh, Isabel? It's still there's still that nice fluff in there. Yeah,、uh, definitely fluff. Definitely has the sweetness. I feel like the other character Kotori kind of steps in almost like a mom figure, but she's the high school student. But she's also a child of divorced parents, and her mother. Yeah.、Oh. So she has her mom, but her mom's always busy because she's a cook, and that's kind of where the food comes from. Then she teaches Kohei and Tsumugi how to cook. So. I feel like those those scenes are nice and some silly stuff. You know how Tsumugi just throws around hamburgers or something and just makes it super fun and maybe probably a big mess. I feel like those are kind of like the moments that you should share with your children if you do have them, and then especially when they're learning how to cook as well. I agree. Yeah, and plus, food is such an important part of our memory as well. It shapes us how we view things and also brings back a lot of nostalgia too. Like when you. You smell your mom's cooking from across the hallway, or your parents' cooking. It's like your favorite food. You suddenly get awash with that nostalgia, kind of like in Ratatouille、yeah. when the, <laughs> the food critic sits down to eat,、yes. and he remembers that scene of him being bullied, and his mom comes in and gives him like a basic plate of ratatouille. But she's like, "You're going to be okay." I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> what a masterpiece so, that yeah, movie food- was!" <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Food brings together people, and also. Instills good memories for single parents and their children. Wow, wow! I, I, I'm, I mean, this anime sounds wonderful. Too bad I didn't watch it, but it sounds wonderful. So you, you should just, you might as well just binge it, Gracie. I think it's still available on what is it, Crunchyroll? I think it's Crunchyroll. Yeah, so you should just definitely watch it on your off time and just squeal at how kind of cute Smoogie is. <laughs> sounds good. All right, so that's the first one that you picked that you also poached from <laughs> from Agnes. <and> Isabel. <laughs> so, what's the second anime that you wanted to put a spotlight on? <laughs> yeah, the second one is actually just from My Hero Academia. I wanted to talk about Deku's mom. Oh,、uh, okay. Yeah, she doesn't show up that much in the show, but I feel like even though she only has a few episodes, she really stands out as a single parent, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because of the dedication that she had towards Deku and how emotional she is as a mom, because I think some other anime,、uh, like Satoru's mom, for example, in your race, she kind of plays like the cool mom and she yes、mm-hmm. doesn't show her emotions that very much. But for Deku's mom, she told she like balls with Deku if he's crying over all,、oh. even crying over the fact that 
he doesn't have a quirk and he wants to be like All Might. Mm-hmm. She kind of just hugs him and he she starts crying too. So I feel like they're very similar sense, kind of like how their you know mother and son relationship, then they're very alike towards each other. The things that she does is everything that you know your mom that one like a kid would want their mom to do with them or for them at least. And it definitely starts off with when Deku is you know when his reveal when he goes to the doctor's office that he's he basically is quirkless, and um, his mom feels very guilty about that. Maybe it's her fault. I mean, her quirk is not that special either. She can only bring little objects closer to her, so it's not a super quirk. Okay, but like that's that. convenient, though, as someone who's <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> it's like when you're lying down to watch TV, but you're too lazy to get the yes, remote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or like your phone's over there, so like, uh, like, you know, just come to me. So only adults understand how great of a quirk that is. <laughs> or, you know, when you're about to lie down to sleep, but your window or your door's open, you're just like, but it's so nice and warm in bed. I don't want to go do that. <laughs> Okay, sorry to interrupt, but continue, Isabel. Oh yeah, I totally get it. Now that I'm working from home, I'm also like, I don't even want to reach across my desk. Can that just come over here? (laughs) That's even worse, I think. (laughs) Adulthood, guys, it's great. (laughs) Pinnacle adulthood. Um, You know what's crazy is I don't even watch My Hero Academia, and I know, like, how important of a character she is like <laughs> yeah it's i think it's because she shows up in the first few episodes and has such a an impact to keep deku going on the path that he does even though she doesn't show up in any of the other episodes anymore it starts there with the fact that he gets support from his mom mm. that really makes it stand out for a lot of people um I wish that they would show, spotlight her more, especially with all the things that he's doing at UA and things like that. But, you know, the anime takes its course. Uh, the the manga takes its course however it wants to. Yeah, definitely. The only time that it does come back is when, you know, he's seriously injured. And this is kind of a thing where should she actually, you know, she's 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 his mom, right? He did, right. She doesn't want to see yeah. him get hurt anymore, especially if he's fighting all the time and, you know, fighting villains. But yeah, her interaction with All Might and allowing him to actually continue school even though she knows that he's going to get hurt anyway in the future but she also knows that it's his dream so kind of going off of that support that you see in the first two episodes and what you know she's been as a figure for him throughout his life it's it's kind of emotional for me to see I think I pretty much teared up during that episode because I was like she's amazing this is awesome but yeah that was just it's just a few moments in the series but I feel like it speaks volumes for their relationship and how a single mom can affect Deku is as a person as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they ever sure. mention why the dad's not there? I since I don't watch it, so You know, that's a good question. They never really talk about it. So I actually don't know if he is like he's dead or if he's actually just away. I've never seen an anime. I don't know if it's in the manga, but they actually don't really talk about his father that much. So it's like a question mark for me. Interesting. Okay, so there's a chance that maybe he's a character later than Ha. Huh? Okay, and she, like his anime likes That's to possible. do that. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anime really. You know, I kind of wish they. I kind of wish they don't do something like that, just because it's such an overused trope in anime. I. But we'll see. I suspect they do it because of the work culture in Japan and how 
Oh, geez. I should save lame. <laughs> I should I should save this for one of our future because oh, one of our future topics is actually about parental presence as a whole, you know, in Japan. And so I should I should say that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> uh, I'll save this. <laughs> Gracie stops herself. <laughs> Just like zip, zip myself up. OK, so um, so with Deku, we even though we don't really see her, at least we really get to see the relationship he has with this mom. And it sounds like it's really loving and supportive, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely really loving and supportive. They, you know, he tries to get in contact with her whenever he can and stuff like that. And she's always supportive of him. So I feel like, you know, it's very small, but it's very cute to see as well whenever she pops up. Mm-hmm. Also, he actually like calls her or texts her, you know, like it gives her little updates and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I think in some of the episodes she did, he did do that. So I was like, oh, you know, he still contacts his mom. It's good. Even though I don't know what she does, you know, outside, you know, I feel like she's she would be a little lonely because he's the one in the house. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. He's living yeah. on she campus. She definitely would be lonely. But who knows, maybe she's part of like a neighborhood association around town. So, or maybe she has family nearby. So, who knows, maybe she's not that lonely. Yeah. If any mm-hmm. if anything else though, just knowing that your child you struggled to I say struggled because I think raising children as a whole is very hard, you know. <laughs> And so (laughs) much less like, you know, being a single parent and raising a child. And so I think just knowing like going through the struggles of raising that child and having that child still keep contact with you and showing the fact that they love you is just such a big deal to parents. So it's really nice and warm and fuzzy to actually hear that the anime actually has moments where he just like texts her or like calls in on her to check in. That's really cute. I really appreciate that. Okay, well, I think I think this is great because I, like I said, I don't even watch My Hero Academia, but I know about the fact that Deku is raised by a single mom and that single mom actually had a huge impact on people watching. So that's incredible to see and, you know, great to see as a whole. So, Agnes, I know since Isabel took one from you, so what's the other remainder one? I luckily have backups. I came with backups. Oh, we are good okay. job, good job. All right. I always come with backups. <laughs> And then when you guys are talking, I'm like secretly researching on my phone at the same time. Oh, so, so you were that, so that you were me during the Japanese voice actress <laughs> episode. Probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, so lay it out for us then. <laughs> uh, so the first one that I want to spotlight is Hana from Wolf's Children, <gasps> the movie. Oh, that's Ooh. a great one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and and while there are many people who disagree with the Wolf's Children progression of the plot because Hana herself doesn't really change as a character I do want to also point out how hard her struggle is and it very much mimics the the typical Japanese response to just even having a single mother let alone a single mother with two half-wear babies right yeah (laughs) um so the one scene that definitely stood out to me when I was watching this because I watched it when I was in high school I watched I think the first half of it when it was screening And in that first half, the memory that stuck with me the most was when she's trying to quell her babies from howling or crying. And then you have the neighbors who are knocking on her door, telling her to stop with the, with the baby's cries and to not make a scene. And then eventually, you know, child services come and then it becomes a big deal. But then that really reminds me of how a lot of single parents struggle to raise children on their own without the support of family or friends who do know how to take care of children. 
And as a result, they'll deal with a lot of noise complaints. They'll deal a lot with neighbors who are not very receptive of the fact that a single mother is living near them or is causing a ruckus because of their child. Not everybody is as sympathetic towards uh, mothers who have children. Yeah. You know, that just baffles me, at least for me personally. It's like people like to complain about babies crying on an airplane. And I understand that the sound of a baby crying isn't exactly music to your ears. But in my head, I'm just like, these are, you know, they're babies. They don't really get what's going on. Of course, they're going to cry, you know, because they're in an environment they don't really get. And that's just how babies communicate sometimes. Babies don't really know how to talk yet. So crying is their only way of trying to tell you something. Like, how can you not be understanding and empathetic towards that, you know, sort of thing? And it's and I know this is a real thing that, you know, we have neighbors who are unsympathetic to babies crying, stuff like that. But I'm like, how? Like, how how can you be unsympathetic to it? I, I just I don't get it. I just personally don't get it. <laughs> it's it's only because people are so selfish to think about themselves that they don't consider the fact like, oh, yeah, we were once babies. How do you think our moms felt or whoever reared us felt while we were crying? You know, nobody thinks about that. Nobody thinks about what other people would have to go through because people are just inherently selfish on their own. It it just like it, it angers me and it also baffles me and like the fact that I just cannot understand how you can't not you guys literally, but you know how you there, yeah. how you can't understand that fact. But that was I know exactly what scene you're talking about. That was an extremely hard scene to watch. I felt so bad. For her, I like my heart like gave out to her essentially. It it made me feel awful and it made me really angry at the neighbors too. So Yeah. And then it goes so far as she ended up buying an abandoned Japanese house in one of those Akia villas out in the countryside so that she can live with it and with her wolf children. And I have to say, renovating an old Japanese house is no easy task. That is huge the fact that she has to do it basically on her own with while raising like two very rambunctious kids she's a college student with barely any experience under her belt and she's trying to learn how to farm at the same time that's crazy like it's very fantastical but it also shows like there's some sheer hard work to go into that and the fact that hana is able to pull off some of that and provide some kind of stability for her children is pretty admirable honestly well, I was going to ask since I've been talking about it, so uh, since I've clearly seen it, but Isabel, did you watch Wolf's Children? Nope, I have not. Okay, okay, okay. No wonder. <laughs> okay, so you're spared from you're spared from the tears. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> there's a there's some pretty rough moments in that in that scene where it feels very realistic. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, sh-. <laughs> yeah, no, it it gets really hard at times, and. Yeah, that's another, that's definitely another one where it did not shy away how difficult of a situation it is. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's my, that was my first pick because after Kohei got sniped, so that is what it is. <laughs> uh, so my, my second one after that, I wanted to talk about this a lot. And I've actually mentioned this quite a few times on Girl Taku or in separate DMs chat is Kyoko Honda ah, from Fruits Basket. Okay. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, you you probably guessed it, Gracie, because we talked about this in length before when when we uh, when we were watching the season. Yeah, no, I remember Kyoko but, made a huge impact on you, just you know, as a watcher. 
Oh yeah, she made a huge impact mainly because she was a a single mom trying to support her kid through all the life trials. And then after when she passes away, I'll just briefly go over it because we discussed it a while back too. That Toru feels the need that she needs to go with her mm-hmm. um, because she doesn't want her mom to feel alone, even though. Um, Toru self could live a very fulfilling life and doesn't need to be tied to the past. I wanted to spotlight Kyoko because, first of all, she came from a very rough background. She was um, somebody who was very rebellious in Japanese society, ended up eloping with a very humble, very good man. And then she ends up being ostracized by both his family and society because she's unfit to raise a child and unfit to be a part of society, which I think is very sad overall because Kyoko, for all of her uh, rough and tumble, she's a very good woman at heart. Oh, yeah, 100%. It it just shows how judgmental people can be, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And especially for a culture like Japan where they really emphasize on a mold that everyone has to fit Mm. into rather than kind of embrace and do whatever you want. Because I see more single mothers like Kyoko in America who do just fine or get by without as much judgment. But in Japan, it feels a lot worse. I do agree. And I I did mention this, uh, you know, earlier, but I was like, you know, being a single parent, no matter what country you're in, is difficult. But at the very least, the general consensus in U.S. culture is a lot of respect towards single parents if nothing else because they're like it is hard you know and they know it and so but japan you know really looks down on them and they and they did show that with fruits basket as well and it's it's infuriating but and once again baffling because it's like why (laughs) you know so and it also the japanese system of how they treat parenthood as well in terms of maternity pay for for women who go through birth also it's just very baffling too like there's no concept of that in the japanese bill if not very little of it compared to many of the countries in the world that do understand what it's like for a mother to give birth and also have better resources for single mothers so i i do think kyoko is just i don't it, it's rough seeing what happened to her and how she okay it's rough seeing what happened to her what she went through and like what and ultimately you know the effect she left behind on not only toru but another character as well and so mm-hmm. yeah i i think kyoko's just such a big such a big icon for a single mom and of course it's fruits basket and fruits basket never shies away with the harder parts of society and life so of course it covers it as well i also love how her friends toru's friends arisa and hanjima were remembered Kyoko and also kind of looked up to her yes that That was a very nice touch yeah so I thought that was really awesome you know just focusing on how how she was you know very loving gentle but then also very strong-willed in a sense Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and Toru always lives by what she basically said and like I remember watching the old version of Fruits Basket I could hear Kyoko speaking most of the time in in Toru's headspace so oh Yeah, but I do, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, for some reason, also get kind of the same reaction with my friends because my mom is currently single after my father passed away. And it feels like the younger generation kind of looks up to the older generation who 
don't necessarily conform to certain molds. So when I tell them saying like, oh yeah, my mom is potentially dating somebody like that, they get really excited. They're just like, whoa, your mom is so Aww. cool. Who's she dating? What is she doing? You know, and then they see all these Facebook posts of her quote unquote living her best life by traveling and everything. And they're just like, wow, that's so amazing. You know, it's, it's different, you know, for in, at least in the US, right? Single women are, or single mothers are really looked up as like, she's cool yeah yeah i think that's just what like obviously i wish the government as a whole can help out single mothers more and provide them with you know more sick days and more holidays because once again absolutely not everyone's gonna be like my mom's boss who was willing to give up his own days for her to take care of me and stuff like that so but i do appreciate the fact that at least the culture has a deep respect and admiration for single parents if nothing else yeah, and it's slowly changing as a result too with everything like the internet and more exposure to people getting together in groups and talking about it and then more resources for single women, uh, for single parents. And so people feel a lot more connected and they are able to share these stories more willingly too and change society's perspective on them. For sure. So I guess this is actually a good lead-in to um, what I really do want to uh, discuss. And we have 10 minutes to discuss it, which is amazing. I'm curious to hear, what do you guys think about this sort of gap happening in anime and society? Because like I've mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the episode, anime has never actually shied away from the fact that being a single parent is an admirable thing and it's hard. Single parents are almost always portrayed as good characters. You know, they're protagonists, they're supporting protagonists. They have huge effect, positive effect on people. And the anime always shows that it's hard, but it's also very sweet and magical. And, you know, there's moments of it that's unique to only single parenthood. And so, like, you know, that's what I'm saying is anime is doing an amazing job of portraying the fact that these single parents deserve to be respected and not looked down upon and sh- absolutely should not be ostracized and that they are good parents who are working their butts off to be good parents. So why is it with the multitude of media in anime that portrays them in such a positive light that Japan still seems to ostracize them and look down on them. Do you guys have any theories as to why there's such a gap? You want to go first, Isabel? If you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm still thinking because I feel like I'm I'm just not too sure. Like you said, in media, it's obviously shown that single parenthood is something to be looked up to and that there are struggles, but society really doesn't help these parents. So... I'm not sure. It's probably because it's kind of like that old type of system that they haven't really changed. And change is something that maybe Japan in general doesn't really uh, take into account for most, I feel like for most families maybe, or just, I just know that they're kind of resistant to, to making big changes is what it is. I definitely agree. I think part of it is because the Japanese government is still heavily conservative and they like to keep rooted not necessarily in right-wing ideals but they like to keep rooted in ideals that worked before like if it's not if it hasn't broken yet you don't need to fix it mentality the nuclear family for japan has worked for them for very very for quite a while now probably since the 1930s and 40s when the rise of the salary man came and i don't think the government wants to change from that and so as a result, they don't feel like there is a need to push for 
advocating single parenthood, giving more money for them or providing more resources because it doesn't happen to everybody on a whole. But media is more free to portray that because they're not restricted by government red tape and societal expectations, which is probably why a lot of single parents in anime are seen as very magical moments because the reality is being a single parent is hard and there are some families that do have very strenuous relationships like we've seen with an aquatope or even more recently with wonder egg with rika and her mm, mom yeah that's a good the one. relationship between the single parent and a child may or may not actually come to fruition so with media sort of sugarcoating a lot of this and making it seem like it's okay makes it easier to digest but it won't go as so far as to enable policy or action for it. It's just, right. it sucks so much because usually, or actually not even usually, media, of, uh, media affects culture and vice versa. Culture affects media. It's a constant, never-ending circle of affecting back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm always hoping that with anime very sympathetic and often very positive portrayals of what single parenthood is like i keep hoping you know that it would affect a change within the culture and for and i do want to preface this by saying anime in itself actually was considered very niche back then it's it's also been a relatively new thing for anime to be considered a mainstream media so for all we know, maybe it does have an effect. We just haven't witnessed it yet because the effect that it would have would be on the younger people, you know, and younger people who haven't grown up yet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so so that is one thing like I would say is possible is that it does have an effect. We just haven't seen it yet, per se. But then it's at the same time, you know, single parenthood has been portrayed in anime for quite some time and often in more positive lights. And so it's just, it's sad, you know, it's sad to see that, you know, media is showing these things and showing these parents as, you know, hardworking and in a positive light and also highlighting the struggles they go through. And yet culture kind of seems to just ignore it and continue to do things like that one person I know who legitimately left Japan because he was so upset with the way they treated his mom. So, yeah. Ugh. Okay, so... I think that is a good wrap up though of the actual of the actual episode topic. You know, I'm really glad we got to discuss a little further and highlight these really important anime about this incredibly important topic. And I'm sure there are listeners who relate and have also had experiences of single parenthood as well. But we have to leave it on a lighter note because so, it's a bit sad in the fact of reality versus what we see in media. And so, Agnes, it is time for you to, to continue your story, which is the last time you seem to have traveled to a strange place, but then you woke up back where you were before. And so we really want to know what happens next in your journey. So please go ahead and share with us the continuation. <laughs> For sure, yeah. So when I woke up after that really weird dream to a place called Rusino, I ended up waking back in my, my dingy old bed above that pho restaurant in Paris, thinking to myself, wow, that is some weird dream that I have. I don't understand why I had that dream. And so I decided to walk around Paris for a little bit, take the day off and get some fresh air because, you know, dreams kind of make you feel a bit funky. They make you feel like you need to question your entire existence at some point because they're very strange. And so while walking around, I 
noticed there was a fortune teller booth in this tiny little alley off of the Sun River. And for some reason, I'm not usually into fortune telling. I find them very dubious. A lot of them are just there to make money, especially in <laughs> Paris, where there's a big stigma around gypsies that come to pickpocket you in Paris. So seeing this fortune teller here, I was a little bit dubious. I wasn't sure if she was one of those types of people or if she was an actual fortune teller with a divine gift. Um, and then I thought to myself, well, I did have a weird dream, so I might as well just try it and give it a shot. So we'll see what happens. If I can, if I need to defend myself, I need to defend myself. That's fine. So I went to the, 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 the fortune well, teller. And she threw up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. I'm, I'm more of an impulsive type of person. So that's, that's how it usually goes. Uh, so I went into the fortune telling booth. I sat down and then she started drawing tarot cards for me, which is really interesting because I thought there was going to be some hocus pocus with the ball, but it turned out to be a stack of tarot cards and the cards that she drew for representing my quote unquote present, as she said in a very thick English accent, um, as in like it's very accentuated. She's probably from a different country. She drew the sun as the tarot card. And it seemed to be an older version of France in the picture with the sun risen up high. And she claimed that my present is within the card. And I was like, okay, sure. I did not understand what that meant. I don't know anything about tarot cards. The, uh, the, where you have like, it faces you or it reverses. I have, I have no inclination of what that kind of meaning is. And then she gave me the card. And when I touched it, I felt myself, I was falling into the card. Falling. Yeah, like my whole existence kind of warped into the card. It was like a kind of a sucking motion. And then when I woke up and like I, I like finally was able to move again, I found that I had landed on something and it enunciated something. And I was like, what, what's going on? And apparently I had fallen off. I had fallen onto somebody and there was a group of people who was surrounding me. They did not look Asian. They did not look like me. They looked European. And then there was a noble girl who stood in front of me and she started speaking something in French. And me sitting here thinking to myself was, I don't understand French. How am I supposed to understand her? Somehow I still was. And I had apparently fallen into an older age of France whom I had stopped a thief by falling onto him. And she introduces herself as Isabel someone who was pickpocketed by this thief, but who is also reputably known as the infamous she-wolf of France in history. Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit strange, I know. I don't really know how to explain it because I'm just like, I don't know that much about this infamous she-wolf of France other than she was very ruthless in her military pursuits and also in her love life as well. So... <laughs> Oh my gosh, That's Agnes just the extent is that changing I know. history! <laughs> I, am I? I don't know. Is this an isekai? I'm not even sure. Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs> yes, unfortunately we have run out of time, so we will have to continue next week. But thank you for everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the content of our episode as well as the continuation of Agnes's adventure in France. And I hope you will be with us next time. Bye everyone! Bye. Bye. -bye.